I think the power has to be put back, and that's why I'm so into empowering other artists, no matter what field they do, to empower themselves to become uh, well-versed in the business side. And I think we have to, as you know, creatives, uh, take that power back, and, and we need to become self-sufficient and create entities. The thing with Symbiotic Nation, those are one of the big things, is drawing all this talent from different types of media and empowering them to be able to become the people that are leading the change and leading the shape of what's happening and not having these companies and these conglomerates taken over. Hello, and welcome to the Hollywood Hustle podcast, where we bring you the stories and struggles of artists climbing the ladder of success and how they survived the city of dreams, Los Angeles. Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of the podcast. Uh, my name is Michael Lutheran. I am the producer of the podcast, I can't believe it. We are at number 20. To think just a few weeks ago we were on episode one. <laughs> that feels like forever ago. But no, we're here now and we're here at 20. So still feeling really good. Daniel is still in Texas, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately. You better be enjoying your vacation, buddy. Uh, but I'm still with you today, guys. Uh, now, today we're going to be jumping back into our conversation with Eric Knight. But before we do, we had a uh, question this past week that we posted on our social media accounts. And the question was, what is your dream that you're working hard to pursue? And we got a lot of great responses, but this one answer in particular really spoke to me. And I'm interested to hearing what you all think about this. Donnie Smith uh, commented, my dream as an actor is to hold a mirror up to society to reflect it, the good, the bad, the ugly, in the characters I portray. My dream is to continue working with like-minded artists, writers, directors, producers, all the crew, to tell stories that entertain and move audiences. I've had the good fortune to make my dreams reality, albeit with a day job. The big dream for all artists, I believe, is to make a living from those dreams. Even then, we keep hustling. Thank you so much, Donnie. This was such an amazing comment. And when I read this comment, my head just went because you hit on my thoughts and feelings exactly uh, when it comes to being an actor. I think it is so great that you are so aware of where you are right now. It sounds like your head is in the right space in terms of thinking about the types of characters that you want to play. You don't want to be pigeonholed to just one type you're you're open to playing any type of character but that you're also focused on who you want to have a, as a part of your journey the artists uh, writers dire producers directors and of course the crew the crew is a huge element in any kind of scenario whether you're working in front of the camera or on stage it's all about the crew but and that is so great that you've been able to make those dreams into a reality like you said you also have a day job as well but it's great that you got to keep up that that hustle, that fact that you have that day job to allow you to continue to pursue your dreams and make some success with that. And I think that is absolutely phenomenal. I, I think that is the dream of any artist is to be able to make a living from those dreams, as you perfectly put it. So thank you so much, Donnie, for answering that question. If you didn't get a chance to answer it, tweet at us or send us a message. Uh, our email is hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. What is your dream that you are working hard to pursue? Now, 
the gentleman that we know worked really hard to pursue his dreams is Eric Knight. And we are back with the lead singer from the Disciples of Babylon, talent manager, artist empowerment guru, I'm liking this term, Eric Knight. In Act 2, I join Daniel and Eric to talk about L.A., not only about a city of artists, but one that is also a city of immigration. And those that have shaped our city's culture from people who have come here from all over the world. We also discuss the current state of music, its impact, or perhaps lack thereof, on our current culture, and how important it is for artists to empower themselves to be a source for change. At the end of this episode, we are so excited to be debuting the first official ever release of Disciples of Babylon's new hit song, Without You. So sit back, relax, enjoy. Daniel, take it away. All right, and we are back here with Mr. Eric Knight. Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing good videotaping you guys. Ooh. As I videotape me. Uh, why, why, are you, why do you keep giving me the undress symbol? Please. The undress symbol? Well, please stop That's doing that. That's your cue. <laughs> right, I, I'll touch his beard. Uh, and that is the voice, the man who always crosses the streams, Mr. Michael Lutheran. Hello, everyone. Formerly known as Michael Catholic. <laughs> Michael <Nice>. Catholic. <laughs> Michael Presbyterian. Michael Buddha. Michael <laughs> I had a brief with that a few months you know, ago. Michael Atheist, that was a dark den. Uh, so we're just here to talk about L.A. in this one and kind of how that inspires you and just, yeah. just yeah. kind of just a discussion, roundtable. Of course, with Hollywood Hustle, not only do we talk about the entertainment industry, but just living in this town oh, yeah. and everything like that. Now, uh, in the previous episode, we got a chance to hear from you talking about Miami right. and also the cultural influences of that. Now, Miami and Los Angeles are both... LA cities and what I would call Latin American right. cities. They're both uh, cities that were founded in many ways out of immigration. Right. Um, you know, as someone whose parents were Cuban immigrants and everything like that, I'd love to kind of talk for a little bit more about um, immigration contribution to both of these cities. And, you know, we can obviously focus on Los Angeles as well, but also your views of how, you know, immigration shapes culture, shapes music art and everything like that i think we're in a time right now in this country where this is a discussion that's happening oh yeah you know uh, uh, in across dinner tables and stuff like that and i think it's important that we highlight uh these contributions definitely so, would love to hear your thoughts on that yeah i mean as far as cultural contributions i mean i think you know uh, we're living in a time now obviously you know <laughs> that is <laughs> it's rough uh, yeah, it's, it's rough. It's it's rough. I don't want to get onto a bash here, but yeah, uh, it's a uh, it's an interesting time. I don't want to compare it to like the '60s, but it almost seems like we're in a different, you know, modern day version of what like the '60s were going through with all sure. the changes and everything that's going on. And, it, and it's interesting because there's a show that I just saw yesterday that premiered from uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Uh, soundtracks that's from right. CNN. It's on CNN. Man, I just saw the first episode. It was brilliantly produced. I mean, it's great. And they're talking about the whole cultural shift between what was going on. The first episode was about the civil rights movement and how the music shaped that time and how it just, you know, and, and, and that's a theme throughout the show. Yeah. Certain points in time and time and how they influenced the music influenced it. So it's a really great show. And so it's funny that you're actually talking about that. Uh, 
And so I think, you know, we're in a time it's weird because we're in a different time because I don't think now music is what is what's happening now with the culture. It's not what's influencing. It's influencing things now, I think. I think uh, there's so many. I mean, first of all, we're getting bombarded into so many different directions, being marketed to, being, you know, uh, that it's hard to capture people's attention, which is the the hardest thing that I think any artist, whether you're a, you know, a actor, whether you're a musician, is trying to capture pe- people's attention. So uh, I, I think... It's, it's weird because I don't think music is what it necessarily once was, even though everybody still consumes it like crazy. It wasn't once what it was revered it, to be like like it was back then. You, you referenced the 60s right. and everything. Someone like Bob Dylan. Exactly. He, he had a specific message right. um, that he was speaking to and that was specifically talking about the time right. uh, that was going on. And that in turn helped shape the discussions. Right, And exactly. so what you're kind of saying then is that currently... Um, there's so much uh, being put out there by so many different voices, right. whether it's marketing companies, uh, you know, with advancements in technology, you know, musicians specifically yourself yeah. can put out music right. much more easily than back in the it's, 60s. It's almost like, it's weird. It's almost like now technology, the technology companies and the guys that are doing it, those are the rock stars of, of this of this era. Uh, I don't think that music is influencing the culture uh, as it once was, which is weird, but it's true because, you know, people, I think, although music is still a big part of everybody's life, it it's not, I, I don't think it, it has the importance as it once did back then in those eras in the 60s and 70s to where, uh, you know, you had... Uh, a song that would come out and would speak to everybody, you know. I mean, there there are those songs that are doing it now, and it's funny because they were talking about it in that special that I watched, like Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, and I, was I was just like about to big... say right now uh, when we're recording this episode, uh, it's the final week of Coachella, right? And Kendrick Lamar is going to be closing out the concert exactly. tomorrow, I yeah. believe, right? Mm-hmm. And he just dropped an an album him, himself, right? Last Friday on Good Friday, right? And there's a lot of discussion about that of just being an artist not even going through your label just hey i'm an artist and i'm dropping my work exactly about this specific topic right yeah so it's one of these things that as far as the culture i think there's there's a lot of different things that are influencing it but i would suspect that there's going to be a lot more music i mean a, a lot of the songs that we're that actually that we have for this new record that's coming up ironically enough the title of our album is called the rise and fall of babylon not to be a play on the word of the the name of the band Disciples of Babylon, but just I feel, and this is my personal belief, I just feel like the United States, our country, yeah, it's the greatest country in the world. Very proud to be here, born and raised, but I just feel like the country has been resting on their laurels for so long. And there's there has been such pent up animosity around the world towards us because of being in that position. Mm-hmm. That I think it's, I believe it's starting to backfire now. And, you know, just with this president that we have now, which I just do not agree with anything that this man has to say, uh, you know, and that's a whole other thing that we can get into. But, uh, you know, it's a very scary time now that we're living in, you know. And, but oftentimes through human experience throughout history comes back to music. It does. It Um, does. You know, a lot of the blues music, blues was born through in the, the plantation fields and yeah. everything like that. It was used as a tool of survival and endurance. Exactly. And, and struggle. And and struggle. And so it's now we're at this point where people are struggling 
exactly what can come out what pulls them together yeah and i and i still believe wholeheartedly and again i'm not trying to it's not anything against music because that's like what i live and breathe and do and it's so so much part of me it's the one medium i believe that pulls any person around the globe together so it's the one form of medium that can pull anybody together i mean you Mm -hmm. look at other cultures that i mean look at michael jackson and what an influence he had around the globe and how much influence his music and impact it made so to me that's why i love doing music because it has the ability to 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 drive change i just don't think now in this present time it's driving the change in the culture i think there's other things that are driving that you know not that's not to say that it'll change but i don't think it is right now well, i feel like i feel like in a lot of ways um <clears throat> uh, music has been caged a little bit through computers and anybody can technically be a recording artist yes nowadays they don't sound it sounds like a robot singing for the most part but i mean how many people can actually sing live that's the great well anymore, that's the great know? the the good thing and the bad thing it's a catch-22 because with the advent of being able to record music from your home and there's been some incredible recordings that are coming out that are being released on records that that sound incredible that are coming out of people's homes so it's not to knock that, but with that comes the glut, like what you said, of mm-hmm. like that everybody now thinks that they can do it. And mm-hmm. so you have millions of other people that have no business being a musician or that, you know, there's no talent there. And it's not to knock people, but it's just the truth. There's a lot of crap out there. And so it's making it harder to sift through that and get through that glut. Well, I think to tie in also with kind of the, the discussing like about the times and, and the eras and how music has shaped them, you, you got you you mentioned in the previous episode about how um, you know uni- Universal being your specific example, you know, trying to come up with ways where they control kind of everything in a lot of ways. And I feel like you know if an artist comes up and says, hey, you know, I want to write a song about you know equal rights for everyone every right. single person illegal immigrants uh, uh lgbtq right everyone equal pay equal benefits everything what's keeping them from going Ooh, that's let's just talk about going out to a party and maybe one right. guy's number and being shy about asking for it let's talk right. about that yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah no i mean it's 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 true i mean uh not to knock any song like that, but right, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and so you're also just talking though from the business end, like so yeah. much of it is owned by businesses where they have so many people, shareholders or whatever, exactly that, they, that are also making the decisions for them. Yeah, well, like I said, caging it. They're yeah. caging where yeah. you, you're you're stifling you, the creativity. Yeah, exactly. of and I and I think that's another thing. And I think. They control the album that comes out. Exactly. They control the time the you music, have in the studio. So yeah. if you're recording an anti-establishment song that they feel is going to be bad for business, like you said, for their shareholders, mm-hmm. things like that, what's keeping them unless they're 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 progressive enough to allow it to happen or your music is subtle enough where they just don't understand yeah. that that's what it's about? I think the power has to be put back. And that's why I'm so into empowering other artists, no matter what field they do, whether they're a, a, a painter or any kind of medium to empower themselves to become uh, well-versed in the business side. And I think we have to, as you know, creatives, uh, take that power back and, and we need to become self-sufficient and create entities, new entities. And like the thing with Symbiotic Nation, those are one of the big things, is drawing all this talent from different uh, media 
uh, from different types of media and empowering them to be able to become the people that are leading the change and leading the shape of what's happening and not having these companies and these conglomerates taken mm-hmm. over. I think, you know, there has to be somebody that comes up with a with a with a studio, a movie studio that that's just, you know, kind of like American Zotrope with, uh, you know, when you had uh, all these famous producers, uh, Coppola and all these guys, they started as independent, you know, and look at all the stuff that they did and how they ended up, you know, shaping. Well, with going back to music, do you think that approach could be like what Beyonce, Kendrick Lamar have been doing where they don't go through necessarily their label? They themselves, the artists just drop it. It's you starting know. to happen more and more. There was that other rap guy that just won the Grammy. What's his name? He's in the Kit Kat commercials. My God, I can't remember his name now. But you know who I'm talking about. If you see the Kit Kat commercial, oh, he just Ch- Chance, is it Chance? Chance the Rapper. Yeah. He just won the first Grammy and had a completely, totally independent record. And it was the first Grammy ever won from like a just did it by himself. And you know there was obviously there's always another side to that story. You don't see the other sides of those stories. Mm-hmm. But somebody like a Beyonce and stuff like that, they can go on their own now if they wanted to hire their own staff of people, hire their own marketing and doing it because they've already have millions of fans. Yeah. It's it's easier said than done because they have already established that they've been under the old paradigm, which was mm-hmm. the record label paradigm. It's now coming up with the new things that are coming out that are going to influence that. And that, that's why I'm so into wanting to like put these mastermind groups together with different creatives and trying to see how we can shape and build these new infrastructures that can kind of promote change to where we control what it is that we're putting out. Um, it's it's an interesting thing. I mean, I'm just you know. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's working in the system. I mean, if especially like like uh, to look at Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Uh, right. You know, uh, I believe the great philosophy. The great, the great philosophy. I believe Matt Damon or one of Matt Damon or Ben Affleck says it in the movie, which I think even though it is a comedy film, but I think it's really important here is that you do the big budget film, the studio movie, so that you can do. Your your passion project, which is what a lot of people are doing now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're seeing um, you work the system. Yeah, uh, you're uh, yeah, you're starting to see that happening. I just wish that there would be another way to do that and build another, you know, kind of platform to where you can do that. And that's kind of one of the things that I've been trying to figure out with like that project, Symbiotic Nation. That's one Mm -hmm. of the big things where I'm trying to pull different creatives from different areas and try to grow these things. Mm And 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 I'm real big into keeping your own content and to, you know, ownership of your content, I think is just critically important what you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. It's great because that's content that you guys are creating. And I think that's why we're seeing such a creative Zenith in television now, because you're, you know, yeah, there's this like influx now of all these networks and Hulu and my Mm -hmm. God, everybody doing original content. You want to do is take the, a little bit of the struggle out of like, where do I go? What, who do I talk to? How do exactly. I get, how do I connect with these people? How do you connect and how do you, you know, go to a place where you can create content and that you're the owner of the owner of the content, which is like a really big thing for me. I think, uh, you know, so many bands are getting screwed over still to this very day because they don't, uh, you know, uh, have take the time to read their contracts and see what's going on. And I'm just a real big proponent of owning your own content and, uh, that goes across any medium, whether you're an actor, you're doing film, your own movies and stuff. Uh, I'm really big into that. So, so let's let's go back to L.A. and and talk about the music scene here. Okay. Um, any specific for you guys? Any specific places that you love to go to? Uh, any specific club? Specific clubs that you find are your favorites? Why? What? What about them? 
Um, uh, you really inspires you or pushes you. Yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, the the one, the, the classic that everybody goes to, all the rock guys go to, like the Rainbow over in Hollywood. I mean, that's not necessarily a club, even though they have music. It's more of a restaurant. But it's kind of one of these things where you can go, and it's just like you never know who you're going to run into there. I mean, I used to go there all the time before uh, Lemmy from Motorhead passed away, and you could always see Lemmy playing in the little slot machine in the back of the thing. So that has its charm. I love going to the Viper Room to go check out bands. I mean, we play, you know, we play there all the time and the Viper Room is great. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's just clubs like that that are really cool that, you know, just never kind of lose their charm. There's something about them that, you know. There's also the history to it. Their history, exactly. And the infamy of some of the clubs like the Viper Room with everything that's happened there. And uh, so, yeah, um, it's just one of those things where, you know, when you go there, again, you get inspired, especially if you go to you go and you watch a band, you're like, my God, these guys are killing it. And it just makes you want to get up there and play. And so it, it's a it's a cool thing. It's a cool thing to kind of recharge your batteries with. Uh, one of my favorite places in L.A. to go check out bands and stuff. It, unfortunately, it recently closed, but I think the owners of the bar are about to open another one just oh. like it. It was the piano bar. Oh, okay, on, cool. They closed it down on Hollywood? Yeah, oh. it was on Hollywood and Selma. Okay. Uh, for all of you yeah, out yeah. there who are looking at, at a map, it was on Hollywood and Selma. <laughs> yeah. Googlemaps.com. Yeah, exactly. but I think the piano bar 2 is coming, so they're creating oh. a sequel. Cool. But it was this great place. There wasn't anything too fancy about it. It was just this right. dark room that you could just cram in as many people as possible around the band. Right. And it was one of the only places I've found here in LA where people would just come to listen to the music. And they had this house band there that would play phenomenal, but there was this one musician, Miles Mosley. I've never seen anyone rock a stand-up bass wow. like he would. And he, he would do Voodoo Child. Nice. You would look around and everyone just has this smile. And the room is just blowing up with music. It was it was great. I hope that the new version of it comes back just like that. I think any place can be a venue, obviously, yeah. in L.A. Yeah. Um, where can you guys think of that you think would be fun to have, like, a concert? Or are there any places around L.A. that you think would, like, that would be such a cool place just to put something on, whether it be theater or music? Uh, it's already know? been done before, but, I mean, one of the places that I've always dreamed about doing a thing or shooting a video, but it's been done, obviously, before mm -hmm. is... Uh, the uh, observatory is one of my favorite mm. places. Uh, I also like the Getty Center, which I think they do have some kind of music events there, but like to put on a full-on concert there I think would be really cool. That would be really fun. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what you guys think. Uh, uh, well, I, I, when I went to university, I went to UC Davis, and my theater group, Studio 301, we would do like site-specific theater. Oh, cool. And I think it's such a cool, unique thing because it immediately ties the show, whatever it is that you're doing, into that community. Um, the building offers a, a certain type of aesthetic that regardless of how many scenic designers you have, they wouldn't be able to capture that essence. Um, trying to think of a very specific place. Um, sometimes just even on the street though. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously there's a lot of musicians here that will just be playing their guitar. They'll be busking. Yeah. You know, and that's sometimes what you just got to do yeah. and everything. But coming from a theater standpoint, uh, the Hollywood Fringe Festival, it's coming up here in L.A. in June, and uh, one of my favorite pieces of theater that I've ever seen uh, was Last Fringe, and it was the Hamlet Mobile. Nice. And it is exactly as it sounds, <laughs> Hamlet Mobile. Mobile. They had a van that they cut out. They did some scenic uh, design work in there and lighting, um, designed by Brandon Baruch. And uh, he, it, it was just phenomenal. And it wasn't exactly Hamlet. They took scenes and... They did their own adaptation. It would right. go from just 
normal talking like how we are, and then they would pu- bring you into the van, and then it would slip into the Shakespeare nice. uh, text, and it really pushed the boundary. That's cool. Like, we're, we're talking now, we're near that level of, like, you could have a show in which you get into a car, and they just drive, <laughs> and you're writing with these characters, and you're an active participant. So I think that's doing awesome. live theater like that in a site-specific mm-hmm. thing, that's another type of engagement you but, can bring I mean, that's well. very similar to, um, uh, you know, the old minstrel right. shows, where they would just have a cart with costumes exactly. and instruments, and they'd park, everybody'd get out, pick out a costume, and they would either have something set, or based on whatever costumes they right. would grab, they'll do a show. Uh, you know, so I mean, that's I think just taking that, putting it in a van, kind of creepy, but still fun. <laughs> no, I mean, a white ser- van. <laughs> seriously, the best, the best theater I've no, seen that, in LA. That'd be awesome. I, I think what would be fun to shoot something uh, would be the Urban Lights exhibit. If you don't live here, there's a thing called Urban Lights. It's by the LACMA, the museum. Um, it's just several old-time kind of gas lamps, just r- rows, like five or six rows of them in several different spaces, and it's just really cool. And I think that would, if you could write something that would fit that that area, just a small short film or something, I think that would be really, just such a really cool visual. Yeah, one of my favorite places where I actually, this is back home in uh, Miami, when my second uh, solo record came out, mm. I had I had always had a dream of doing this. I got to play inside of a planetarium in the middle. Oh, of, wow. And it was a laser light show that they actually oh, cool. that we created based on the show. And it was the coolest, it was the coolest thing ever. So, that's awesome. I, I feel like for me with L.A., I, and I've mentioned this to my wife before, is that when we first moved here, I noticed the most is that you can literally cross a street and it's a completely different setting. You Definitely. Could, you could be driving on a street that has some decent looking, nice, average looking houses, go one street over, literally just cross a street and you're in a million dollar, two yeah. million dollar houses with gates and Bentleys in the in the driveway, yep. and then you cross another street, and you're back to decent average houses. And then I can cross one street, and it's obviously a city industri- industrial kind of area, and then go across the street, and it looks like New York. Like That's the beautiful thing about LA that you're you, everywhere you go, it's like a different scene, like mm-hmm. what you said out of a movie. That's why I think there's so many great places to where you can shoot photography or do a movie. I, I mean, it's just unreal. Well, and also unlike. New York, granted, I have never been to New York, so perhaps those of you who can maybe can attest to this. Uh, sometimes I find, like, theater, specifically theater, because I come from a theater background, there's broad, there's Broadway, Broadway right? and then there's Off-Broadway, Broadway. but it's more centralized, mm-hmm. whereas a theme, obviously, that we've discussed on this podcast is that arts is spread out throughout Los Angeles. Right. Uh, as of this recording, we're recording in a theater, the studio stage, mm-hmm. and it's one of hundreds and hundreds of small theaters here in Los Angeles that people decided, you know what, I'm going to come here. I'm going to tell stories that we want to tell right. for this community. Uh, were you planting a flat? You were doing a very interesting fist it was, it was a planting of the flag <laughs> okay. of theater. I, I, I claim this stage for theater. And Dionysus, <laughs> Greek goddess of theater. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. No. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I gotta get out of this accent. Uh, we're all performers in some way, uh, even writers and that. So one of the most important instruments we have is obviously our bodies, right? Right? How do you guys? How do how do we as as people? What what's the best way for us to keep our bodies healthy and stay 
ready. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially for you, Eric, because yeah. you're always going on yeah. tour. I mean, exercising, obviously, hydrating. I mean, I stay away from smoking, and really, I don't even drink. Uh, but yeah, just constantly staying hydrated and just staying fit. I mean, you have to in this world. I mean, I, I hate to say it, 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 it is an image-conscious world we live in, especially in our worlds that we live in. So yeah, it's very important to just be healthy and, you know, eating right. And, and it sucks. Yeah, like it does. Eating, <laughs> eating yeah. I'm not well, gonna, I'm not going to BS. I'm, I'm a big guy. I've done diet after diet. Right now, I'm working on a diet right now, and 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 eating right is the worst. And I'm not saying that to bring anybody down. I'm just—it's realistic, and it's—and I want people to know. Everyone knows it sucks. Well, it's just so hard because I don't know. From a primitive level, we want to eat whatever we can because right. it came from a place of survival. Mm-hmm. You like this, you you enjoy it, you can sustain mm-hmm. on it. You don't want to do anything else but eat that. Exactly. Well, I'd say on top of that, it's now it now comes from a place of addiction. Also, mm-hmm. I mean, sugars. I mean, sugar is an addict, uh, an addictive uh, uh, drug. Is such a harsh word to use for more harsher things, but it's a drug in its own right because it is addictive. Not, I mean, it gives you some sort of euphoria. It does something for you. It, it right. perks you up. I mean, it, it, you know, cocaine is worse, but it does some of the similar effects. It perks you up. It gets you going. Sugar does the same thing. The right. fall is just quicker. And it's just calories more than anything. Yeah. But what my I say all that is <laughs> to say that uh, you see people. I think the hardest thing for me has always been you see these people who are like, yeah, you know, make a smoothie in the morning and then do fourteen thousand crunches <laughs> and you too can have a body like. And they're so positive about it. And it's right. like, but I don't feel positive when I'm making this <laughs> spinach. Grugabugaga veggie <laughs> smoothie and then doing 14. And I think that's the hard part that, like, when I say, like, eating sucks, eating right is hard and it sucks sometimes. The reason I say this is because you need to know that person knows that too. <laughs> like, the person yeah. that seems all positive and upbeat about it, they're just trying to make it sound better yeah. for you. All my friends tell me I, because I, I became vegetarian like like over 10 get years out. ago. Yeah, get get out. out. And it was like, oh, you're just doing the Hollywood thing, the obligatory. You land in LA, it's like, I'm a vegetarian, I'm doing yoga. Yoga, you know all that stuff, but no, I mean, I, I did it out of a conscious thing of wanting to just eat better, and, and uh, yeah, it's it's worked for me. So and so, can you speak to you go on tour, and sometimes you have limited. How options. do you stay healthy? Yeah, how do you stay? <laughs> yeah, healthy? Well, my brother, he went on tour uh, when he was performing in the East Coast, mm-hmm. and he he would pack like a cooler of vegetables right. of you know he had his daily and things that's that kind he of the same thing that we would do we would pack that stuff i mean the good thing is is that now they, there's so many more i mean i mean even mcdonald's dare i say i, I walk into a mcdonald's uh they even have healthy options now so i mean you can find it so uh, thank thankfully there is a lot more options than there were maybe five ten years ago but yeah we would do something like that where we would pack celery carrots fruits and stuff put it in a cooler and yeah, and just, you know, try to eat as healthy as you can on the road because, I mean, it's just, you know. Because one, like, drink can dry out your throat exactly. with all the sugar and stuff that's exactly. in it. And then. All, all I drink, really, I drink water. I mean, I'm, I'm weird. I'm like an anomaly because, I mean, I just strictly drink water. Maybe lemonade. Me, personally, I, I try to stay as healthy as I can, especially because I'm singing. I mean, there's so many things with having to keep this up and just sleeping and trying mm-hmm. to sleep on the road is just a, you know. That's for me is right now one of the biggest struggles of just trying to figure out what your sleep schedule is. Yeah. Daniel, I can only imagine with a two-year-old. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he's, you know, he's, not, he, we, he's got a regular schedule. It just doesn't, it's not a schedule that I love. Uh, he likes to get up at between 5.30 and 6. Nice. Uh, I like to get up at 7 to 7.30, <laughs> you know. Um, I think, But I think it's funny, like, with Mike, because Michael will call me some, or I'll talk to Mike and I'm like, 
Uh, I'll talk to him like at 10 o'clock at night about something out through text or something. And then the next day I'll talk to him and I'll be like, so what, Hey man, how was the rest of your evening? He's like, well, you know, like 11, we decided to go to a bar and then, uh, one came back. We, we, we kind of watched a few episodes of, uh, master baking on Netflix nice. and, uh, I crashed about three, four and this is like 10 o'clock. He's at work and I'm like, Nine o'clock. Who? Well, no. By the time, yeah. by the time you're awake and actually talking to yeah, me, yeah, that's true. Uh, we actually can talk. Uh, but I'll be like, how? How? How are you awake right now? And then I realize I'm 33 and I'm not 20 anymore. Uh, but no, it's just it's it's it's. I, I, but it's funny how like you can have those two different. Like I'm the same way. I'll stay up till sometimes one o'clock in the morning just because I feel like I can watch some TV. Right. I could just relax for a second because I know if I have to go to when I go to bed. I'm gonna get up to a kid screaming that he wants to go in the living room and watch his shows. I'm gonna have to ma- help, you know, smack you in the face. I have to get breakfast ready for the family. Got to get ready myself. And so it's kind of like this is my time to relax, you know. And 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 so just have time to that me, you know, some me time. And I feel like you know it, it's still a problem. Just kind of like with the same thing, like you know, you have to find, find, regulate when you go out. Not, I'm not trying to school you on anything. You do whatever you want to do. Daniel. You do whatever you, you do feel your thing, right. Man. If I could go, I out do to, me. Sometimes, if me and Angie could go out to a bar at randomly at eleven o'clock at night, I'd love it. But it's one of the things where I think for me, I'm the same way. I have to figure out you need to go to bed at this time, yeah. and that way, because that way you're going to be awake to do the things you love to do. But right? Daniel, you have a rock concert tomorrow night. <laughs> you've got a concert at the Greek. You've got to be at, and only Jonah Hill can get you there. Exactly. Um, so, I, and what, one thing I love about LA, and this is something I loved when we moved here, is there's so many places to hike in the city, yeah. like in the middle of. Everything going around you, right across, like two blocks from the Sony lot, which is surrounded by offices and buildings, there's a hiking trail. I mean, that's, that's to me, one of the best things between, especially comparative to like Dallas. I'd have to drive, you know, I still have to drive a little bit, but to find a nice hiking trail that doesn't have kids playing and screaming the whole time and and it's just not just this weird weird wooded area but actually has levels and and a view and and, you know there's mountains and there's city and skylines this is the ultimate for that I think that's one of the reasons why I came to because I love the outdoors and you know we've got I think we got Fryman in our area. Yeah. Runyon, you know, in Hollywood. I mean, it's just... It's just I still love the idea. If you love the outdoors, come to Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The sixth most polluted exactly. city. Well, but like Miami. The irony, yeah. Miami, though, for example, like, is there... Do you go hiking in no, Miami? Because it's, it's all flat. It's, it's all flat, flat and it's also muggy, right? Because you got... Very, yeah, very muggy, very humid, but there's no hiking in Miami. I mean, you know, there is no hiking. I yeah. mean, hiking is like driving over the bridge to get to Miami Beach. I mean, that's like... Hiking to a Cuban sandwich truck. And, exactly. And, exactly. <laughs> now, I, yeah, I think it's really important, like, how much L.A. changed me and just how much I've been more open to food and items of food. Yeah. Like, being willing to try quinoa and trying kale and, and not always having to get, like, the steak. Right. You know what I mean? And things like that. That's something I, I feel like the culture of L.A. really drives. It's not... If you're if you're not healthy, you suck. It's just right. hey, there's more. There's it's just more available to be healthy yeah. here. I think I came places. coming from Miami. We had so many different types of food: Ecuadorian food, Honduran, uh, Chileno. I mean, all these different types of food that you can have. So I kind of came in here. I was like, oh, this is just more of that. But just you know, now we got more of the Asian, you know, uh, mm-hmm. infusion here, and 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 you know, you have Mexican, and it's just it's it's awesome. L A just has these. Pockets like every any any culture you could possibly think of probably has probably, a little yeah. town 
in here. Like we even have like a little Bangladesh. Yeah. And it's just amazing. It there's so much variety that uh, you can check out in this town. Absolutely. And the, and and the things you love: uh, yogurt, ice cream, uh, burgers. Uh, uh, pizza. They're all still here. They're, They're all still here. here. But there's also healthier <laughs> versions of those yeah. that people have worked on, where you go and you're like. Hey, you can have this version of pizza that may or, not be four thousand calories, but or, be, or better right. yet, a more authentic version. Rather exactly. than calling, you know, a chain food pizza place, mm-hmm. you could go to a mom and pop right. place that have been making pizza right. for years and years and years. Yep. This is Hollywood food hustle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Uh, Let's talk, we kind of mentioned this, I think, in the, in the previous episode about modern day music, and I think at the beginning of this episode. Um, let's kind of get more into that, like modern versus classic. Yeah. Uh, uh, w- w- let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah. I, there's not a question for that. Like, it's just, how, what are your feelings about the changes? Because obviously there's not bands, like, really there's not, an, I don't think there's an Aerosmith nowadays. There's, there, you know, yeah. It, or, or not one that's in the, on the top 40. Exactly. You know, there's not a uh, who. There's not really a Rolling Stones. I don't think there's like that kind of mania anymore. There isn't, is it, again, it, because of getting back to what we right. said about, I don't think music is driving the culture anymore. Right. I think it's... Uh, is it because, it's, do you think it's because it's oversaturated in a lot of ways? Because you can make music in any form or fashion? Maybe, maybe that's part of it. I think the other change is, too, the value of music has been devalued. And that's one of the things that uh, that I when I mentioned to you in the previous episode mm-hmm. about uh, Bob Lefsetz, the guy that I talked to you about, mm-hmm. he, he talks about a lot about uh, all this stuff. And I think music, ever since, you know, with the whole thing with Napster back in the early 2000s and that whole shift where you... you going know, digital. Going digital. And I mean, it's happening with every medium. I mean, we were the first guys to get it. Now you guys are the ones that are getting the hit now. Because everything is going from a physical model to a streaming model, to so you know, it, it's good in a lot of ways. There's a, there, again, to me, I think there's an opportunity in everything. It's just the way you approach it. But uh, I think with the advent of the Napsters and the Kazaz of the world and the, the music being downloaded uh, and so readily available, I think it uh, it devalued the music to a certain extent, and that's why I think another reason why, even though you'll hear a lot of people say that music is what you know. You can remember a song to a time in your life. I mean, that's I, to me, that's just one medium uh, that you can't do that with anything else. Although with movies, you can remember a scene in a movie that can bring you back to a time in your life too. But I think music is the one that really yeah. drives that. And that's why I think that show that we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. is so cool because he kind of you know, takes those two different uh, times in, in, in history and kind of merges them together and shows how music was driving. This is the soundtrack by The exactly. Rock. Exactly, okay. yeah, yeah. So... Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of. I think there's a lot of great music. If we're gonna get into modern versus the classic, uh, I think there's great music in every era. So there's a lot of great music. I'm not one of these guys that oh my god, it just it all sucks. It's terrible. <laughs> there's incredible bands that are coming out uh, that I love. That are that are. I think they're doing some innovative things. Uh, it's just now we have, like you said, a big glut of this music because now everybody can do it and everybody thinks that they're a musician when they're really not. You right. Know? And I think for me, and I always talk to people like, you know, you have like your golden oldies stations now where it's like they'll play like, you know, Beatles and, and Rolling Stones and, you know, the, the um, uh, old school like uh, Green Door and, and things like that. And I always wonder like, like 20 years from now, like what's going to be on our classic station? Like the classic station mm. from our period. Like what? What is so uh, just a representative and so memorable 
Yeah, I don't you know. know yeah, that, it, that, it's hard well, to say like, because you what, don't. How are they going to fill? That's not. Yeah, good. That, if they did, if they only played music from you know, let's say the thousands to now, like right. two thousand to now, and, and and it's a classic station for that. What are they going like, to? It's going to be like classic Backstreet Boys and <laughs> Sync. It's going to be. But they want it that way, boy Eric. They <laughs> want it that way. I think maybe one reason why that question could be so hard to answer is because back in the classical days of the sixties, seventies. There weren't as many uh, divisions of music in a way. There was rock. There was rock and roll. And yeah. cer- certainly bands played harder or so, but now there's so many yeah. different Everything, variations. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a real fascinating book that actually my partner turned, turned me on to years ago. It's called What Would Google Do mm. from Jeff Jarvis. It's a really cool book because it talks about how we have become in this society it's become a mass of niches no matter what it is that you do if you go to music there is millions of niches and sub niches even in film and television it's gone into all these you know sub genres and genres of music of movies that are being produced and so uh, it's one of these things where i think back then you know media was just three channels you had abc nbc cbs that was it now it's like You've got 650 channels to choose from. It's like, you know, there's so much choice and there's everything on demand now. Uh, And it's interesting because I think it's such a creative, I said it earlier that we're in such a creative zenith, at least with television now, because there's so much great television that's come out with all these series that have come out on Netflix and, you know, all these different things that we we probably will mention. But uh, it's just interesting to see, but there's just so much of it now that you have it all at your fingertips, you know? Interesting that you say that because you could have a band like uh, Led Zeppelin come out and because there weren't as many different radio stations or anything like that, it broke across all streams. Right. Um, Talking about television, you have Breaking Bad. Right. Breaking Bad comes out on... and. Because it's on multiple different platforms that support that, everyone starts pushing that. You have some artists out here that I think everyone can universally agree, like, they have something that's going on. Right. But it's so hard when you're going for one specific market within this, you know, all of these subcategories and everything like that. The likelihood of someone think, everyone thinking like, oh, that, 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 everyone needs to hear that. Yeah, the hardest thing for anybody to do now is to get people's attention. I mean, to try to get somebody's attention, it's like really hard to do. I mean, you have to have like extraordinarily incredible product that's going to speak to everybody, whether it's you're developing a series. I mean, you know, you see a, a, a show like Stranger Things, which I'm a huge fan of because yes. it's just like it's just the classic, you know, E.T., Goonies they somehow pack it they somehow did that and they captured that vibe again of that time and they did it in a way but with a modern twist and it's just such a fantastic i mean i'm just salivating for halloween to come for that second season. i know me too you know and i mean there's so i mean there's just so many great shows the oa i mean i mean just on and on and on all these all these great shows that are that are coming out so i, I know we're getting off <laughs> <laughs> totally let's just talk about netflix let's just talk about netflix uh, yeah. but i think it's important like for me as i think about it i think also it goes into the artist of like writing and what what are you putting out as an artist? Not 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 condemning anybody's music or, or right. what they believe is fun and exciting, or, or what if they want you know if you want to put out I just want to put out songs people can dance to and and have a good time. Great, that is fantastic. Well, it's still about cre- setting but, up that story, right? Setting up uh, an environment in which someone could feel like I right. can go out 
dancing right. to this. But I think part of it is also like when you listen to the lyrics, and I think that's another thing. People don't listen to lyrics a lot of times. I right. think there's several people that say like I li- like I listen to lyrics and I I, I take in because and it, whether it's because I'm a writer or what, but I listen to lyrics. I, I it's like I'm like this means nothing. Like right. this means no- all you're saying is the same thing over and over again. That's and it's because it's numbing. Right. And it's just like you just void it out and all you hear is the music. So when you start to write a song, yeah. how do what, you make it numbing? <laughs> how do I make it numbing? <laughs> well, I start with a bottle of wine. And, no, um, what was your question? Oh, yeah. just your process of... Um, um, yeah, of coming up with, uh, yeah. with writing. Uh, it, it really depends. I mean, it could happen any number of ways. I mean, typically, I'll get together with Ramon, which is my writing partner in the band, and we usually come with like armed with ideas that we've either you know I usually will hum things or I'll play guitar parts that I think are cool, and we just come into a room and we just start exchanging ideas, mm-hmm. and we'll listen to certain things that are going on and we just decide okay that one sounds cool let's go on that and so basically the process begins from there we start writing uh, the music and start writing trying to get the arrangement down, and typically I won't there's not it's very rare for me that words will start coming out automatically uh it'll be more of like the auditory listening to the music and that to me starts shaping the vibe of what i'm gonna write oh about. interesting so it's the the music is what informs Dictates, the words or but sometimes the words come automatically like sometimes i'll just be uh, usually i'm just mumbling nonsense but sometimes a word or a phrase comes out of that that i'm like oh that actually sounds cool and then i start building on that but more times than not it's us working on the music, and then I'll be humming melodies, but and then when I get back on my own and I'm alone, the mood of the song, it could be a melancholy song, it could be a very aggressive song, it usually will dictate what I'll write about, uh, mm-hmm. depending on the tempo and all that stuff. It's really weird, but sometimes it'll just come out like all at once, and, you know? And and so then to bridge with Daniel, mm-hmm. like when it comes to a message or right. what it, what story or anything that you're trying to set up there... You get the music, so you go back. Yeah, to then your I place. go back, and then I I'll I'll be there alone, and then it's just the long process of uh, sometimes it'll come right away, and but uh, the subject matter it, it it really for me it influences the mood of that song, the way that I feel about that song. Like we had a song that came out uh, with our first uh, EP, Karma, which is you know you hear that song, you hear the lyrics, you already know what that is about and mm-hmm. what happened and. That song, the minute I heard that riff being played to me, I was like, oh my God, I already knew because I was in a place at time where something was going on in my life and that connected immediately the dots with that song and I could just write it and it was just like the song wrote itself. Uh, other times it'll take me a, lo- a longer time because I'm a real perfectionist and I'm trying to get better as a lyricist and I really have tried to uh, up my game, especially with this particular album and the different subject matter that I'm talking about. And a lot of it is, you know, like a lot of writers, uh, songwriters will tell you, it's personal experience. So a lot of it is coming to me from personal things that are happening to me or things that I'm observing. You do, you, know? do you find that to be true, Daniel, as a writer? Uh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's, I think it's it's definitely this idea that you, you like for me, it's one of those things where I'll come up with um, a small glimmer of an idea of, usually it's a sentence, like, what if there's a girl who has superpowers that fights MMA? And it's like, okay, how can I take that and make that something interesting? Right. Um, and then you go, okay, well, what if part of that, like, what what's the human part of it? What's the humanity? And you go, okay, what if she is 
uh, at the same time dying of cancer and the superpowers of what's slowing down the cancer, but she's still dying. And so, okay, there's oh, the human side to it. Is that um, an idea? That's a no, good idea. I'm just making oh, this up okay. on the spot. No, um, uh, but copyright. copyright. Um, <laughs> trademark. <laughs> trademark. That's been trademarked. But, but I'm just saying, like, you know, so you think of that and go, okay. And then from there, depending on if it's a feature or if it's episodic, then you go, okay, what's the ending? Like, what's the beginning? What's the ending? For, that's what I do. Right. I, I always feel like I need to know, not that it has to be finite, because my endings have changed on other things, but I'll already have an idea of, like, this is kind of where I want it to go. And then halfway through, if it's like, you know what, this is taking me somewhere, you know, I'm open to where the story takes me, but I'll have an idea, like, okay, this would be kind of a cool shot at the end if this is what happened. And then you also need to think, like, what's the theme? Like, what's, you know, that's another thing I come up with. Okay, what is my, with that, that sentence, what does that sentence thematically tell me? And where do I get the theme from that single sentence? Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's, and it's just this weird step. It doesn't all happen like in five minutes where I'm like, right. this, oh, and then this is the ending, and this is the theme. But it's just like, that's kind of how it grows, is it goes from that sentence to the humanity to, okay, this is kind of how I see where that story could possibly go, but what's the theme? So I know kind of what, what do I need to put in thematically into the story? Yeah. You know, and that that's and so I, I feel like for me, like with music, I used to write music all the time. Also, they were terrible songs; no one will ever hear them. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I, one of the things I always found interesting is I always wonder is like, do you is the does the music come first or the lyrics? And I think it could be either or. It, it, right? it can be either or, but for me, more times than not, mm-hmm. it's the music that mm-hmm. will come first, and then it'll be something that I'll sing or like mm-hmm. I said, a lot of times I'm just singing nonsense because I'm trying to figure out what the melody is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes a phrase, like what you said, a sentence mm-hmm. in your world, but me would be a phrase and I'm like, oh, I really like that. I can kind of build on mm-hmm. that. And then I just start building and then it just starts coming out. But I think it can be the same thing. I think Mike can attest to this where if you think of like, that would be a really cool, if I think of something like that would be a really cool line in a movie. How, right. What movie could I put that line exactly. in? Exactly. I, mean? I think it's that, like, that kind of same And I wanted to ask Michael because I saw you recently doing the Edgar Allan Poe uh, <laughs> which was which was incredible. How, how do you get or prepare because I mean man that was very intense. You, I mean you were incredible. In that. Oh that thank you. Uh, so this was the production I was in Nevermore over at Theater Unleashed in North Hollywood and as Eric was just saying I played Edgar Allan Poe and I, I talked a lot with Matt Ritchie the playwright for that and it was so, an original, right? It, it was, was an original yeah. play, and so much of it though was inspired by Edgar Allan Poe. There are so many tracings right. of his stories in this play, right. and of course, Edgar in this play is living those moments. Exactly. And so for me, it was just li- like, for me, I don't, I normally don't have time to read a book, so right. I'll listen to it. And so I was downloading all the audio books that I could find, and normally it was Christopher Lee narrating That's these right. Edgar Allan Poe stories and stuff. He went to the chamber. <laughs> <laughs> Not even close. Oh. <laughs> Dang it. But so much of it was just trying to get as much of a feel for... Not only his stories, but also researching him as a person. Yeah, because he was such a, I mean, like he, man, he was such a, he just multifaceted. Like, he just had such a sad life, right. and the more you understood the tragedy of the artist, I as an artist could then inform my own idea, my own opinion of what he could possibly yeah. have been. And so much for me is also just finding the voice, right? Because Edgar Allan Poe wasn't from. Northern California, Northern California. Yeah, right. you know, uh, so, so much of it was like reaching out to friends of that area. Cause he grew up a lot in Baltimore, right. slowly trying to get those tracings. Once I understood what he could possibly sound like with his stories and then with also the history of who he right. was, 
could I find my voice? Yeah, and I love how they interspersed the different parts of his story. I mean, it was just, it was really, oh, really that, cool. The conversations cool. I had with Matt, and I'd love to get him on this podcast uh, one day, but how long it took him to write that play. It, it takes a long time, mm. especially when you're using s- such a known property. I, th- I think, it, especially going back to the songwriting, I think one thing, especially, I mean, you, you've written some stuff as well um, uh, in the sense of scripts and things like yeah. that. Um, you know, I, I think how important words are uh, in general because, you know, how you form a sentence says something completely different if you form it a totally different way exactly. if you mix the words in a different way or if you use a different word than this word and so when when you are writing the lyrics when you start when you kind of get it down how many like what are the what's the average amount of drafts do you think you uh, go through? it depends because I, I'll be writing to like the time that I, there was one song that we recorded mm-hmm. uh, for this record called Idiosyncrasies which is just talking about me and the quirkiness of me so it's a conversation with myself right and uh, I literally wrote, I was writing the lyrics to that song as I was getting ready to sing it. And I literally mm. finished the lyric and I said, okay. And I literally went into the room and did that song in like one take. But it's the coolest <laughs> song. Awesome. But I, I I did like a couple of, like maybe I, that was like a two draft thing that I did. But usually it'll be like five, six. Right. I mean, I'm constantly like going back and, and you know. Well, it's, it always comes down to word choice. Right. I, how effective would to be or not to be would have been if exactly. should, I, just or had, should I not? You know, <laughs> I'm thinking is, about killing myself or should I not yeah, kill myself? What is What's all right, that about? To, what is the right word to use? There is no yeah. right. It's what I guess you're feeling at that moment. Yeah. I mean, the cadence has a lot in music. It's like you know, you're reading like a lines in a stanza in a mm. poem. You know, mm. or you know. Uh, alliteration. I mean, there's so what, many. What do you stress? What do you not exactly. stress? Well, I think, but I think what's funny is again, it's the 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 um, the intricacies and, and the 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 how non simple theater can be is that you know if it's not to be or not to be, if it's like should I do this or should I not do this, for Hamlet that doesn't work. Yeah. But if you're writing a story about someone else who's considering suicide. Maybe that them saying something like that for that character right. could mean just as much as yeah, Hamlet. Exactly. You know? But looking at word choice, though, just the idea of just to be. Right. Or not, or not to be. Well, the yeah. And then the yeah. question of what is to be? What is, yeah. what right. is being? Yeah. Like, and then is, so, like. Let's discuss. Let's discuss. Being. Let's, let's get Shakespeare on this podcast. <laughs> let's get yeah. Shakespeare up in this. Be- <laughs> <laughs> We're um, thinking them up next week. <laughs> yeah. uh, one question is uh, one, well, one thing I would. Uh, there was a band kind of going with that idi- idi- uh, idiosyncrasies, right? Yes. Uh, um, there was a band I saw a while, a long time ago at Warp Tour. Okay. Um, it was a girl and a guy lead singer. Okay. And one of the things they were probably my favorite band I saw out of all the non-popular popular right. bands. Do you remember their name? Uh, the In Crowd or In, oh, in the In Crowd or something. I like think that. I think I know your name. Um, yeah. But they their second album they don't do this as much, and so I don't actually like their second album as much. But in their first album, in the performances we saw, the girl and the guy, pretty much all the all the songs are them, almost as a relationship having conversations. Oh, and um, it's about like either like him asking her out and her wanting him to ask her out, or vice versa, or them having a fight in their in the relationship. But it was it, it everyone all told this story, right. and because you have these two lead singers playing the parts, it was so fascinating because I had not seen or heard right. anything like that. Their second album, the the female takes more of the lead, oh, okay. in it, and it's not. And I was like, I really love that idea of 
having almost this conversational like 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 I think one was like you were sitting there something something and I wanted to talk to you and like the girl was but like, they're singing it yeah yeah and, okay. like, and the girl's like you know I saw you at a, a club but I was too afraid to say something you know and it's right. like but it's just like they and they were acting like, out like the parts no, they don't, they don't, oh, act, they don't okay. act it out okay. but it's just you they don't need to like right. in the music, in the music yeah, yeah. and I really and I, just that kind of reminded I really love like taking that chance and doing something different and kind of twisting it. One of my favorite examples of that is uh, A Perfect Circle. Oh, my God. One of my favorite albums of all time is 13th Step. 13th Step, And the entire album is this guy's uh, trip into um, insanity and fighting, like, this other version of himself that is, you know, seeking power and, you know, is wanting to put him down. But it's all about him finally choosing himself and leaving this negative part of him behind. Yeah. And kind of what you just mm-hmm. said, you can tell a story mm-hmm. with an album. Well, um, but I think, uh, just real quick though, I think that's also one of the, um, because so much is about streaming and getting that one hit song, do you find it as a musician, as a songwriter, you can't think in, in, in that I still think scope. in those terms, I mean, this record, this Rise and Fall of Babylon, it's not a concept record, but there is songs that are lend themselves to those themes. There's a song called... It's very thematic. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's a song called, you know, Freedom that's talking about the oppression and all the things that are going on, and, you know, you get the gist of, the gist of what's going on there. Uh, there's a song called We Are The Ones that's talking about all of us, how we are and how we need to kind of rise above what's happening and, and kind of take that power back and and empowering uh, ourselves. I keep, you keep you keep getting these very insightful titles, and I keep waiting for like one of them to be like, "Gotta get that money." Like, Gotta like you know what I mean? Like, money. it's like you know, there's uh, this really cool song in Idiosyncrasies where I'm like fighting myself, and this song, you know, "We Are One," and then the, the final song, which I think is it's probably my favorite, is "Dance Until My Booty's Tired." Exactly. And I or think bitch that, better have my money, <laughs> yeah, 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 or exactly. where's my hot dog? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think that's, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to actually ask if you do thematic theme or thematic themes, if you do themes for your albums or if you kind of like yeah, I mean, try at least. As yeah, I mean, possible. the idea with this, I mean, our first EP was called Welcome to Babylon. It was a play on the, the name Disciples of Babylon. And this one is kind of going off of that again, not as a play off the name, but just more about what's happening now. The whole idea that you well, know, the idea of Babylon being, being this dream place. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, the, the metaphor is the United States has been known and you can look it up and they call it like the modern day version of Babylon and just how it's how it's just falling apart and there's just so many things going on. So that whole title was just talking about the time, the point in time that we are in our life right now mm-hmm. where you're just seeing this crumbling. What's so cool about everything that we're all mm-hmm. talking about and stuff is what music can do to inspire. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And um, maybe this can be one of our last subjects that we touch on, but well, I, using I, yeah. mu- music as inspiration. Well, we talked about it, I think, at the beginning I yeah. mean, with the, the idea of how it shifts an era or how it inspires people in, in, in a country, in a, in a uh, more deeper meaning or how uh, it can yeah. set a scene of a movie and just mm-hmm. totally make that scene I mean oh. it's just you know without music it's like to me without that music a lot of movies could not have that impact uh, that it would have you know listening to John Williams of that opening scene when you see Lucasfilms presents mm-hmm. and you hear I mean man that just I, gives I was gonna chills s- I was just about to ask <laughs> can we all think of a movie that would not be what it is without the score and yeah. I think we can all agree Star John Williams I think, yeah. well John Williams I think John Williams, John Williams movies and there's some movies that there's no music that obviously that is, that is a the choice. strongest yeah and mm-hmm. that's the strongest thing uh, about it I'm trying to think like The Shining the, shi- just, the silence I just is saw the shining. That is so funny. I the just the, saw the it, yeah. silence is so unsettling. Mm. Yeah. And then as the music 
uh, or not as a mu- as the movie progresses, it then, just becomes more part of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Stanley Kubrick was just well. It's having that idea of there. What is music? You know, where music is not just instruments, but it could be the sounds of the city, or it could be whatever's happening on screen. That's mm-hmm. that's the music for that scene. And yeah. uh, one thing that comes for me to mind uh, in the sense of silence is um uh um. Uh, uh, to the, the the thirteen years of slave, uh, not the, oh, uh, twelve years, 12 years, years of slave, yeah. twelve yeah. years of slave. I just added one more year. Sorry, um, but like, there's a moment. Have you have you seen? Yes. Movie? Okay. Uh, I know you haven't seen. I it. haven't seen. I really this doesn't really ruin anything, but there's a moment where the lead actor is uh, uh, strung up, and someone chases the guys off that strung him up, so they didn't fully get to stringing him up, right. and he's struggling. His his toes are like in this mud, and that's what's keeping him from like up a little bit where you can get air but it's incredible because I think in any other case I think someone would have put some kind of like soft piano music or some kind of like do 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 you know something in, just to, in the something background something somber but there's yeah. no music and it's yeah. literally one shot for at, I mean I'm talking five minutes yeah, it's very... of him struggling mm-hmm. uh, because they, this guy chases these guys off but nobody helps him right and while he's doing this in the background you see like the houses of the other the uh, uh, other slaves and, and, and right. people on the plantation and as he's strung they're coming out and just starting their day and they just walk around, walk around. Yeah, and they just that no one runs and helps him they just go about their day and it's just sign all you hear the only sound is him struggling and the wow. mud splashing and the people yeah. starting their day. So you, there is those scenes that, yeah, that, and it's that just, even and you're stronger. Like, yeah, and it's anything. like if you added music, it would take everything, everything away yeah. from it. And, yeah. and then, you know, going back to John Williams, Jaws would not be scary oh. if it weren't for that music. But, but, um, yeah, yeah. But, but, um, if, that, if you didn't have that, you wouldn't have the movie. I yeah. think that plays it hand in but hand. I think, you, if, honestly, if you go, hey, pick a John Williams music, uh, movie and, and do a song from it, I think all of us could pick three different yeah. oh, movies yeah. and you know Superman the movie I mean that that Superman song is iconic so iconic that it's used in other Superman exactly. in some form or fashion yeah, yeah. Jurassic Park Superman, yeah. I mean on well, on one on. of my favorite mashups though is uh, someone put uh, John Williams' Superman and then Hans Zimmer's Superman theme and they play it at the exact same time and you can hear where I don't know if this happened but with Hans Zimmer you can hear the invocations oh, right. of John Williams and it's it's almost like the opposite, like where John Williams goes here, uh, Hans Zimmer goes the opposite. Right. Right. Well, like Smallville, which is the story of Superman that was on the CW yeah. or you know WB and then CW. There's moments where they they just use like a little, just like a little bit of the it. French horn, right? Yeah, comes like in. That, you know, and you're they're just, just like, so iconic. But when, yeah. you, but when you hear it, it's just like. I'm a huge Superman fan. Oh yeah. So like. When I hear that music, I'm just like I well up with like I'm like ripping my shirt off, yeah. and like and then I go into Hulk Hogan. Nice. But it is interesting though how certain sounds you know what it is. Like Carlos Santana has such a specific sound to his guitar, and when he yeah. plays, you could just tell. You, you just know it. Is. David Gilmore from Pink Floyd, Pink Floyd is right. the same way. Um, I thought Gilmore Girls. I don't know. Sorry, Gilmore, like, Girls. David Gilmore. Gilmore Girls. He did all yeah. the Pink Gilmore Floyd did stuff. Gilmore Girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or Led Zeppelin. I mean, any. I mean, any of the great bands. Mm-hmm. You, they have a certain trait. Pearl Jam. I mean, mm-hmm. you Stevie hear, Ray Vaughan. Yeah, I mean, you hear their guitar. Yeah. You hear their voice. You hear that opening riff, or you hear that opening whatever opening sound it is, and you just know exactly what it is, and you and it and it invokes yeah, something. It's just crazy, you know. It's and I think that's it's it's crazy how that emotional attachment we have to music, you know. But it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Eric, and that 
music is the universal language. Yeah, for sure. In in many ways, it to me it's the most powerful medium on the planet. I mean, not to knock movie because I'm a huge cinema person. Get out! Get out right now! (laughs) No, go see the movie. Get out! It's so good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it it to me it's to me it's what moves the world. I mean, it's just you go to any corner of the planet and there's some form of music being played, whether it's some remote tribe of people that we don't even know exist um where's there there's a i just saw something about this tribe that they had been there for i don't know how many years and people were trying to go there and they actually killed one of the guys it's such a remote island i forget where it's uh, like they're completely not they're completely shut out from anything Mm -hmm. on the planet i forget what that tribe is called but they were they actually played and it's just so it's fascinating that even that tribe for such a remote part of the world uh has music as part of their thing yeah, um, I, I think that's a great place. I think to, to uh, you know to kind of cut out. I think I can't say anything better than well, that. Well, it's just that yeah, we're all connected in a way through wherever we're from, whether it's and I think part of it is like you know we're raised by our mothers singing to us yeah. and stuff. So it's just from, well, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully yeah. <laughs> but, dads can sing to you people too. Yeah, yeah I guess Daniel. <laughs> no, but I think it's just music is in all of our lives. In a good way, and it in has some form of fashion. in some some form or fashion, and mm-hmm. it has the way it has the ability to shape us, and it can shape history, mm-hmm. as we've seen in the past. And I think we are at a place now where we're going to see something happen. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, and I'd say if you're a musician, yeah, don't be afraid to shape history. Exactly. Don't be afraid to go. I want to do. If you believe something, you believe in something. You feel something. You have some. Whether I agree with it, Michael agrees with it, somebody else agrees with it, or not fight for it yeah. like go out there and go hey I want to sing this song and I want to make it happen and make sure <laughs> you know think about it but you know it, be on the right side of history be on the right exactly. side of music and, and make those right choices and for you Eric any last um, thoughts that you would like to leave with our with yeah our I would just audience? I would just say that you know for all the musicians and anybody out there as a creative I, I think you have to look at it uh and it's one of my quotes. It's like you're uh, you're running a marathon, and it's not a race. You're running a marathon, and so you know you have to you know set yourself up to to win the race ultimately. But uh, you can't just like you know do it all in one shot. You gotta just really you know and just be be prepared to accept rejection, and to know that it's uh, you know it, there's never such a thing as overnight success. I mean, there's a lot of work behind that. You see all these people. I. I'm always like intrigued how people go, yeah, but this guy and, you know, made it. And it's like, but you don't see the 20 years that that person went through and the journey that they went through to get to there. So I have so much respect for all the people that have made it big and have made a successful career uh, out of their own career, because it's just like, man, you go back and you look at their journey and it's just, it's the same, you see the same themes happening and the same kind of traits that are, that are happening. So I just say never give up no matter what. Um, any any anything you want to plug? Anything coming up for you or your band? Um, yeah, I mean, really, uh, we we have the record Rise mm-hmm. and Fall of Babylon. It's coming out in the fall, so we're excited about that. You can you know uh, see us uh, uh, online, disciplesofbabylon.com or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and whatever any, social media that hasn't yeah. been invented yet. Do you have any shows coming up? Any concerts? Uh, no shows or anything as of yet because we're trying to get everything together with this record, but they'll. Uh, there will be some stuff coming up, but nothing uh, booked yet. Well, so. please let us know when you oh, do, because yeah, so we would love to share with our listeners. Yeah, and, and yeah. where can people find your music? Uh, yeah, you can find us at DisciplesOfBabylon.com, me, EricKnightOnline.com, and uh, if you want to check out the management company, Persistent Management, 
Uh.com. And if anybody wants to reach out to me that needs any advice or any kind of thing that I can point you in the right direction, you can email me at eric at persistentmanagement.com. Absolutely. And, uh, and also, if you go on Spotify, he's not the Samba guy. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Fractured Fairy Tales is a good album. I think oh, yeah, totally. yeah, that would, That's definitely him. Cool. Uh, so before we leave, one of the things I love to do, just kind of as a lighthearted end to the show, uh, before, I always say this, before, uh, after Friendster and before Facebook, there was a thing called MySpace. Nice. Uh, did you have a MySpace? MySpace, yes. <laughs> um, and one I of the did. great things about MySpace was they had these wonderful quizzes that would bore you to death because you only you had nothing else to do, and so you just write these stupid answers in these small, right. insignificant quizzes. I have a 167 MySpace quiz. Nice. Uh, before the show started, I asked Eric here to give me six numbers. Uh, okay. Eric has not seen any of these questions, Uh-oh. so these are all going to be on the spot. <laughs> <clears throat> and the questions are, all right. Eric, are you ready? Yes. Last song you listened to? Uh, oh, my God. God, you're already putting me on the spot. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, uh, Muse, Psycho. Go ahead. Okay. Have you ever kissed someone and regretted it? Um, yes. Have you, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, are you afraid of falling in love? Um, no. I've, that's all I've done is fall in love. <laughs> We've learned. I've, I'm still trying to learn. Uh, Breakup number 27. <laughs> are you afraid of the dark? Uh, sometimes. Interesting. Sometimes. Turn the lights off. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you, uh, have you ever been abandoned? Uh, yes. And if you could go back in time, where and when would you go? Uh, back to a funny time. No, uh, when I, I don't know, uh, when I, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, when I didn't have any worries or anything to worry about. When I didn't have responsibilities. When I didn't have responsibilities, exactly. Well, thank, oh, uh, no, I think that's great. I've actually never heard anyone give that. Yeah. Back to when I could just sit down and watch some cartoons. Exactly. When I could just watch Scooby-Doo and not have a problem. Right. Well, thank you so much again for coming on. We really appreciate it. We'll definitely love to have you back then in the future, especially when your album comes out. Yeah, for sure. Definitely have it. Talk the business more. Talk music. Maybe music will change by then in some form of fashion. I feel like I know you guys so much. Let's all hold hands. Let's hold hands as we, and now let's all hum. Let's all hum, 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 hum. And back to you, Daniel and Mike, in the studio. I have arrived, the challenge I face in this life. I survive, conquer this time, swallow my pride. My ignorance humbles this life. I'm alive. Welcome back, everyone. (laughs) I think that was our first and perhaps only time in which we'll have a hum exit. But wow, that was an incredible conversation. Music, again, that we just used by Disciples of Babylon. The first you might recognize from our previous episode, that was Freedom. And then you were just listening to Arrived. Let's talk about this Act 2 discussion I think it was so great to talk about music, not only as this thing that we listen to and enjoy, but that music is very much a tool or a time capsule, a a, a capturing of society at that specific point in time. 
of course, in the episode, we referenced a lot to the 1960s and 70s, but in any time period, you can look at the music that society is listening to then and there, and it says a lot about where we were. It was very interesting to get Eric's and Daniel's perspectives of the current music today and what that means. On Eric's side, it sounds like he's very much of the mind that we're in this place right now where musicians and the messages that we're trying to have aren't necessarily being put forward by the music companies. That because of business deals and everything like that, a lot of the messages that could be used towards change and creating a conversation is instead being filtered viewpoints from a, a business perspective, no less, that you have to appease these certain groups and you also have to market this specific type of brand because if you don't do this, then it's not going to work out. And of course, we've had recent breaks from that mentality with Beyonce and Kendrick Lamar releasing their own albums unannounced, fully produced by themselves. And I think, and Eric definitely alluded to this as well, that this is the direction of the music industry. And look at Mubu TV, uh, which is one of the many companies that Eric Knight has helped found, a, a resource for musicians and artists to take control over their own artistic paths, to not have to be assigned to having a different business overlooking you, but rather a means to teach you how to be in control of your own art and the messaging and the product of that art that it's all through you and not through some filtered corporation's viewpoint. So I thought that was a really, really interesting conversation. And I also thought his viewpoint on the Hollywood hustle being a marathon and not a race. And if this podcast is about anything, it's about that. It's about the journey. The, the chances of you coming to this town and becoming an overnight success are very, very small. I'm not going to rule it out because, of course, there's the exception to the rule. And, of course, I'm probably going to have some listeners remind us uh, on the day of this episode's released of some artists that were overnight successes. But I would argue, and Eric does as well in this past, uh, in just this discussion, that they had done the work, that they had put in the time and energy and focus, and they had a plan for when they got to this town. If you want to be an overnight success... You got to come down here with a plan and you got to know some people and you got to know how to network. But if you're like me and a lot of the other artists in this town, it, it is a journey and it is a marathon and you have to build up for it. And there are going to be laps in the journey where you might feel like of walking or you might have to take a moment to catch your breath and then keep on going. But know that that's okay. It's so easy to get burnt out if you just think of this as a race of comparing yourself to another artist and wanting to try and run past them. You've got your own lane. You've got your own destination of where your marathon is taking you. But also similar to Eric, surround yourself with other artists. He, whether it's his band members or his various other artistic uh, pursuits, he's surrounding himself with artists and helping them out with their journey. And I think that is so great. A lot of the work that I've been able to book as an actor in this town is oftentimes through relationships that I've already built with 
fellow actors, filmmakers, people of that nature. And it all comes down to relationships. Surround yourself with artists. Continue to be inspired by their work. And I think that will lead to a much better approach to your hustle. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our interview series with Eric Knight. He is, of course, the second musician we've had on the podcast. You might remember Kim Tillman. If you haven't listened to our episodes yet, they were episodes 9 and 10. Uh, And we would love to know, what are the similarities that you're hearing in their journeys? What or what are the differences of their approaches? And of course, there's not one path, right, to take as an artist. There's many to go on. But being on this podcast and having had the chance to sit on, on all of these interviews, it's amazing to hear the similarities. So I'd love to hear from you listeners. Of course, you can get in touch with us in various ways. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Hollywood Hustle Podcast. Or you can tweet us at LA Hustlecast. Or you can also email us at Hollywood Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. Coming up next, we have our third Team Hustle episode. Be prepared, folks, because we've got some special announcements that are going to be made. Get ready, everyone. It's about to get really exciting over here, and I can't wait to share this news with you. Until next week, keep up the hustle, everyone. Oh, 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 oh. What, what was it? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's time to debut... The Disciples of Babylon's brand new song, Without You, from their upcoming album, The Rise and Fall of Babylon. We've been talking about it a lot all this week, and we're so excited. Thank you so much to Persistent Management and Symbiotic Records for having Hollywood Hustle be the platform to debut this amazing song. We're excited to share this with you, our audience. So without further ado, here is Without You, recorded by Eric Knight, Ramon Blanco, Guy Bodie, and Chris Toller. Enjoy everyone and keep up the hustle.
This episode of the Hollywood Hustle podcast was hosted by Daniel Tuttle and produced with Michael Lutheran. Kel Torados is our sound engineer, and Mike Tobias edited our website. For more information about the show, please visit our website at hollywoodhustlepodcast.com.